This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. It's Health Matters right here on CNA 938. Welcome aboard, everybody. If your child is maybe underperforming or, or doing a little bit poorly at school, could it be due to myopia? Ah, okay, what is the link here? In fact, some researchers are already showing that, yes, when it comes to that link, that 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 the tripartite arrangement of the parents, teachers, and primary school children as well. When you look at uncorrected myopia, it could reduce things like a student's focus, their perseverance, and even participation in the classroom. So I want to know more about this link and what can be done about it, because the good news is myopia progression can be controlled. But unfortunately, I get it. So look, I've been covering myopia for, what, 16 years now on air on this show? And time after time, year after year, I'll see a new... Like, every time I go to a shopping center, there'll be a new poster about this new device that will solve your myopia or, or cure this. And the parents are like, oh, okay, okay, I'll go and do that, I'll go and do that. But it may not be backed up by the relevant medical rigor as well. We need the right advice. We need the right information. Dr. Cheryl Ngo is here. She's a consultant ophthalmologist and medical director at the Adult and Child Eye Clinic or ACE Clinic. Dr. Ngo, welcome back to the program. Hi! Hi, hi, Daniel. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me on your show. Hey, let's talk a little bit about this and and that before we go into the link between, you know, academic performance as well as myopia as well. Just remind us, set the scene for us. Myopia. We've got some of the highest rates in the world, don't we? Indeed. Unfortunately, we have about twenty percent of seven-year-olds, those who are entering primary one, who are myopic. This increases to about 50 to 65% in those who are 12 or primary 6. And up to 80% of our NS recruits are myopic. So we are one of the highest myopia capitals in the world. Up to 80% of the NS recruits? Unfortunately so. That was the worst thing was like if you had to wear glasses and then you have to go for range and then it fogs up and you can't see the target. It's like, oh, poor army guys. Okay, here's the thing. But the thing is it's starting young as well and that's worrying. And that's my concern. Is there a link between myopia and a child's academic performance, Dr. Ngo? So definitely there is. If a child is not able to see the notes that the teacher writes well on the board, the child would not be able to learn well, would not be able to participate actively in class. So that definitely affects the um, performance of a child in school. Another thing is if myopia is not picked up early, it can progress faster and this will also affect the child's um, performance later on in uh, school as well. Is this a well-known relationship? Is this something that we're hypothesizing about or it's a well-known and research relationship? It is actually well-known. So for children, um, sometimes par- uh, teachers are the ones who first bring up that the child may have a refractive error, may have a problem with their myopia because they realize that the child is copying things wrongly, they are not participating actively in class, or they are actually um, they are lagging behind their peers in terms of their academic work. So, so oftentimes, the teachers are the ones who ask the parents to bring their child to do an eye check to check if the child could possibly be myopic. And here's the problem. It's because that child might be copying it wrongly and then the parents might be scolding the child. Like, Why are you never copying properly? And, and exactly. we don't realise that that might be the root problem because the child doesn't have the capacity to understand that they're experiencing myopia. They might not be able to even verbalise this experience to the parent yes. or the teacher, correct? Especially in the younger children, that is a problem because they do not know that what they're experiencing is different from their peers. To them, they believe that is actually normal. Oh, so how do we 
do we we don't want to rely on I mean the teachers have a lot enough on their plate and it's wonderful that very often it's usually the teacher that's the first one that has to suggest this and bring this up as well but do you think that in the household parents also need to be picking up on the signs and symptoms so yes, some of the symptoms and the signs that parents can pick up on would be like if the child appears to be squeezing their eyes when they're looking at things, especially from a distance, like they tend to go closer to the TV to watch the TV. They're bringing books, um, their devices closer to their eyes. They tend to tilt their head to a side when they're looking at things. These are some of the signs that should be picked up by the parents. Other things that may alert the parents uh, to bring the child for eye screening at an earlier age is if both parents are both short-sighted, they are myopic, and they actually started at a younger age as well, they may actually want to preemptively start screening their child from the age of about four. That young. Some parents might think, my gosh, starting so young, that seems odd. But remind us, it, from a very young age, those rates are very high already, correct? Yes, that's right. Because like, remember, 20% of those entering primary school are already myopic. Okay, so what can we do about it? How do we manage it? How do we control it? If you have any questions, you can WhatsApp across at 963-11938 and I'll have Dr. Ngo answer those for you in the next part of the discussion. But let's talk about early detection. Why is that the make or break? Why is that such an important factor? Because I do wonder whether there's still this perspective or this, this hangover in some people's minds that, oh, it's okay, they're still developing. They're still growing. It will stabilize soon. Okay. So one is like what we had discussed earlier, it affects their academic performance and their participation in school. The second is we do want to pick up myopia early so we can educate the child as well as the parents on what are the possible ways to prevent myopia progression. And the third thing is in children who are myopic and highly myopic, they may have an associated condition called amblyopia or lazy eye. So these have, can be treated only if they're picked up before the age of visual maturation, which is about seven to eight years of age. So these have to be detected early. Therefore, vision screening is actually very important before children enter the primary schools. So before the age of seven or eight, which is visual maturation. Why, why is that likely to occur together, myopia and amblyopia? Uh, myopia is one of the causes of amblyopia. So amblyopia occurs mainly when the vision in one eye doesn't develop as well. So for anything that results in poor vision, whether it's a problem inside the eye, whether it's a refractive problem like myopia or even uh, things like strabismus or squint causing the child to not see well with that eye. And time is really of the essence here because there is a specific window to be able to intervene for something like amblyopia, isn't it? That's right. And if we, we miss that window, that's it. Unfortunately. So in Singapore, actually, we are very lucky. The Health Promotion Board actually goes round to the preschools to start vision screening from the age of five. And they will detect things like strabismus, refractive error like astigmatism and myopia as well. And when it comes to the early intervention for the myopia, the idea is we're not going to be able to cure it but hopefully we can slow the progression if we start from an earlier age. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So if we slow the progression, hopefully the child would not end up becoming a high myopia later on in life because high myopia is associated with many complications in the eye that can occur not just in adulthood, but even in childhood as well. 
And so various interventions, which we will discuss later on, could be very helpful in this, but we want to make sure that it's the right kind of interventions as well. And so we'll talk about some of those that may be the wrong ones uh, at the end of the day. But I'm curious, just going back to the original point that started this whole discussion, if undetected myopia could potentially be affecting your child's performance in school, have we been able to show the reverse is true, that when we address the myopia, that it can either maintain or improve the academic performance? I believe so. If the child is able to see well in class, they will definitely be more active in their participation. We just need to give them very simple optical aids and it can improve the child's confidence levels as well. They will be able to speak up more loudly in class, be able to uh, participate in class more actively. I think that has been shown definitely. You know, Dr. Ngo, it's so interesting hearing you discuss this. There was a stigma when I was younger. I remember it was like, two or three people in class would wear spectacles. That was what it was like when I grew up in the 90s, uh, 80s and 90s. And you didn't want to be one of those two or three people. But now the reverse is true, right? Because like there's so many around you that are wearing spectacles, you might feel like the odd one out if you're not wearing the spectacles. I think some children still feel that way, like they or their parents feel that way. They don't want their kids to wear glasses so young because they feel like maybe they are the minority. But I think it's becoming more and more uh, common nowadays to have children in the class, especially when they up to the late primary school, almost half the class wears glasses and you become the minority once you enter secondary school even. How times have changed. How times have changed. So Dr. Ngo, if picking up early is the important aspect, well, not much has changed. Huh? <laughs> like, no, those it's are the same, the same. Those are the same tests that have always been, no no special AI version of like a special eye laser or something like that. No well, they, we do have um, now technology. We do have machines that can actually detect it. Um, but still, I think optometrist who performs these tests would be able to give a more accurate result than these screening visual they have these vision screeners that are available um, these machines but it's still not as good as a, a, a trained optometrist in detecting especially in the younger children who may not be the be the most cooperative for these machine tests that's true they're young and some of them age four five you know do, uh, we want to make sure that's accurate most importantly and the point is if it ain't broke don't fix it and these work and they can detect can it can they also pick up some of the other conditions that you mentioned earlier on for example whether the strabismus is there or the amblyopia so we can pick up amblyopia if the visual acuity even after you put in the prescription glasses does not reach the visual acuity that is uh, normal for their age um, it can pick up things like astigmatism, but usually for M, uh, for like strabismus, no, these vision screeners can't pick up like strabismus. Got it. Okay, so that's good. So that's why you always want that face-to-face, that in-person um, check that's happening because they'll also be able to potentially look out for and check for other aspects as well. And they would be. That's part of their parcel of their training of what the optometrist is doing anyway. So that's right. what works and what doesn't? My favorite topic when it comes to controlling myopia. The first thing, obviously, is if myopia is detected, um, your, your optometrists or your ophthalmologist might recommend, obviously, the right glasses, the right spectacles. Then there's these things called single vision glasses that mm-hmm. have been, I don't want to say prescribed, but given out and used as well. What are these right. and are they effective in myopia management? I've seen them a lot. So, well, single vision glasses, they are very generally very well tolerated. They are usually the first line that people would prescribe 
However, they cannot achieve an independent focusing of both the central and peripheral vision at the same time. And they also cannot change the eyeball length or the way it uh, progresses, the, the eyeball length growth in order to prevent myopia progression. So now there is a theory of why myopia progresses. It's called the peripheral uh, defocus theory. So basically when the peripheral retina of the eye receives a myopic defocus, it gets a stop signal to tell the eye, hey, stop growing. So the eyeball length doesn't increase so fast, and when it doesn't increase so fast, the myopia doesn't increase as much. Mm -hmm. So the single vision glasses only gives you a myopia. It gives you. It does not create this myopia defocus in the peripheral of the retina. Therefore, it does. The eye does not receive a stop signal to stop growing, and it may cause the myopia to continue to progress. Because the eyeball is just Therefore, going to continue now, changing shape. That's right. So now there are different optical aids that can help to uh, address this. Optical aids? Can they work? Because, okay, I've heard about atropine eye drops being recommended a lot to try and halt the progression. That could be one, that's, right. that's a prescribed option, right? 0.01% right. is where it is now. That's right. So there are different concentrations of atropic eye drops. So that's a pharmacological method of which we can control myopia progression. But for optical aids, there are two types. There are glasses, there are also contact lenses that actually work with this peripheral myopic defocus theory. Um, the contact lenses, the uh, benefit to it is that it moves together with the eyes so that the optical profile provided to the central and peripheral retina is the same regardless of the angle of the view. Mm -hmm. So, well, if you use glasses like with frames, if you look through the corner, you're not actually looking through the center part where it is the treatment zone. So, it's interesting. So, is these, are these the, con the hard contact lenses that the child will wear overnight? No. So now with this um, peripheral myopia defocus, contact lenses, they're actually daily disposable soft lenses, not the hard overnight contact lenses. Okay, because there was an option as well to use those hard contact lenses overnight to slow the progression of the change in shape, correct? That's right. So that one works by pressing on the cornea and it would slow the growth of the eye. Well, now with this peripheral myopia defocus contact lenses, they work by a different technology by creating this defocus in the periphery of the retina. And they are soft lenses, so they are more comfortable to use. They are daily disposable. They are worn in the day rather than overnight. So the risk of infection is actually less than using an overnight contact lens. How interesting to have that as an option. But here's the problem. I barely can get a four-year-old to sit down and eat their dinner, let alone put something in their eye. That's right. So patient selection is very important. I think to see whether there are patients who can put on these soft disposable contact lenses, they need to be mature enough. They may need to have very good grooming habits, um, make sure that they're able to handle the contact lens to put them in, take them off and also be able to report any problems with the use of their contact lenses. But that being said, I have fitted children as young as seven years old with these disposable soft really? contact lenses. But they must teach them to wash their hands before they touch it and put it on. Because the last thing that you want, and I stopped wearing contact lenses like a decade plus ago, because like I was getting repeated eye infections. And it's, right. it's a well-known thing that if your hygiene factors are not there, Wearing contact lenses can increase your risk of developing eye infections. And we and let's face it, children are not very hygienic. Yes, that's right. So that's why parents, uh, parent, uh, child 
selection is very important. Parental selection is very important. Also. We must choose the correct parents who are able to motivate the child, who are able to supervise their children well as well. Dr. Ngo, besides the idea of uh, what you just described, are there other options and lenses that could be helpful in using um, or helping with the mitigation of myopia progression? So like we mentioned, the disposable soft daily contact lenses, they are not your usual soft daily contact lenses. Um, for example, there's a dual focus contact lens. So they have concentric zones of different prescription within the lenses. So it enables the child to focus on both far and close up objects simultaneously. It also creates this peripheral retinal defocus that helps to prevent the myopia from progressing fast as well. So these also are some things that can, it's, it's, some, it's suitable for young ones as well? Yes. So these are the contact lenses that we would um, recommend in children in which their myopia is progressing very fast and in which single vision glasses are not a good option because they still tend to progress fast or if they're very active, for example, they are uh, very uh, sports, uh, sports children. I mean, they do a lot of active outdoor sports and they may find that glasses are a hindrance. These contact lenses can be a good option for them. Okay, so we've explored a whole range of options, obviously, after that first diagnosis from atropine eye drops to the RGB lenses to the two types of lenses that you just spoke to us about as well. What doesn't work, Dr. Ngo? Very quick one before we leave. You know, you go to the pharmacy, you see the black uh, glasses okay, with the so holes pinhole inside. Glasses, no, uh. no, pinhole <laughs> glasses do not work. They will just help to, yeah, they will just help to improve the vision temporarily. Blu-ray glasses do not work. They cut the glare from screen, but they do not help to prevent myopia progression. Um, one other thing that really works, and I have to emphasize it, is outdoor time. Mm. Time spent outdoors in the sunlight actually helps to prevent myopia progression. I think there have been a lot of behavioral studies that have shown this as well. Yes, exactly. So if your child is always doing a lot of near work and indoors, it's the outdoors and the far away that's very important. And obviously the good eye health habits, 20-20-20, that kind of thing. Taking a 20 minute, every 20 minutes, taking a little break, looking far away, 20 meters away, that kind of thing. We want to stretch the eyeball, yeah? That's right, that's right. Okay, it has to go there. If you think that you can solve all problems by doing LASIK when they turn 18, I don't think that should be the solution, huh? So LASIK helps, uh, takes away the need to wear glasses or contact lenses or optical aid, but whatever changes in the retina and the eye has already occurred, and this remains after uh, LASIK as well, including the risk of retinal tears or the risk of getting glaucoma, they would still persist because your eyeball has already undergone these changes. Yeah, that's the key thing to remember and to bear in mind. Dr. God, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, Daniel. My guest on the program is the consultant ophthalmologist and medical director at the Adult and Child Clinic of the ACE Clinic, Dr. Sharon Ngo, joining me on today's edition of Health Matters. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.